Welcome to the, the Long Overdue Podcast, well. coming to you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. We're so glad you joined us today. Hello. Today we're <laughs> featuring uh, Denise and Pat and Chris, myself, and also we have Chrissy joining us Yay, today. Chrissy. Chrissy is a, a recent addition to our library staff, and we're going to be talking about uh, science fiction, starting with uh, a new book by Andy, is it Weir? Mm-hmm. Uh, Artemis, uh, which three of the people in the <laughs> podcast have read. Has, so. has gained mixed reviews. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you'll hear that mix. Uh, amongst the people here, yes. Yeah. Not yeah. just generally, because I think it has gotten mixed reviews. It has, yeah. Just yeah. overall, yeah. I imagine I haven't has. read any reviews online. When I went to go and give this a two stars on my Goodreads, <laughs> oh my goodness! I saw that there was, that was several mixed reviews. Huh? <laughs> um, I gave this two stars on Goodreads only because Rosario Dawson did a great job narrating it. Well, <laughs> so let's start with just a quick, quick, like teaser sort of summary about what this book is about, and I'm reading from the publisher's website. Jazz Bashara is a criminal. Well, sort of. Life on Artemis, the first and only city on the moon, is tough if you're not a rich tourist or an eccentric billionaire. So smuggling in, in the occasional harmless bit of contraband barely counts, right? Not when you've got debts to pay and your job as a porter barely covers the rent. Everything changes when Jazz sees the chance to commit the perfect crime with a reward too lucrative to turn down. But pulling off the impossible is just the start of her problems as she learns that she stepped square into a conspiracy for control of Artemis itself, and that now her only chance at survival lies in a gambit even riskier than the first. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I listened to the audiobook uh, version, as I mentioned before, read by mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. I think whom you love. Whom I love, and is the only reason I made it all the way through eight discs eight hours i don't remember how long it was did you fast forward then at all i did not fast forward um mm. i, think I did, at some, did at some point i took it home and i put it on my cd player and was trying to do other stuff and then i was just really bored and so then i thought well i'll just lay down and listen to it and i almost fell asleep <laughs> uh, even with Rod- rosario yes dawson. even with rosario dawson reading it hmm. um so Chrissy. Yes. Want to want to talk about it? How do you feel about it, Chrissy? Yeah. How do you feel about it? Would you have given it 2 stars? More than 2 stars? Less than 2 stars? I probably would have given it 3 stars. Okay. Just because I like the world building that went uh-huh. on. I like uh the city itself, Artemis. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit at first well, I found it confusing that the title is Artemis, but the whole thing is supposed to be about jazz, but then it's not about jazz. It's about everybody else, but then it's not really about everybody else because it's there really aren't just about a jazz. lot of solid characters. Yeah. They're all very surface. Mm-hmm. And then jazz, I find uh, you just read the uh, jacket yeah. Uh, yeah. description, and the thing that caught me was the, quote, harmless bit of contraband. Uh-huh. Because right 
at, I mean, if I'm going to skip to the end, my biggest pet peeve with this, yeah. with Jazz, is that when she's in there talking to Nguji, the, the Artemis leader, the right. creator of Artemis, she's... Should we have mentioned that we're going to be spoiling the heck out of this book? Um, well, probably about book. so. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk Spoilers about this ahead. Book beginning to end. Yeah. So if you haven't read it and you wish to, and you don't want it to be spoiled... Skip Don't ahead. listen now. Go <laughs> yeah. read it and come back. Yay! Or if you like spoilers, <laughs> we'd be happy to accommodate them. Yeah, absolutely. Because when she's talking to Nguji at the end, she's saying how she's in control of all the contraband. She's the top smuggler. There are no more smugglers on Artemis because she's pushed them all out. And so you just finished this entire book of her struggling for her existence. Mm-hmm. She's poor. Mm-hmm. She's got no money. Right. She's trying, I mean, she's got this one little cart, this dinky cart that she loves that she carts all Trigger. her junk around. And then she says, you need me here because I'm the, I'm the one that controls everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're in control of everything. You're this godfather smuggler. It's only you and Kelvin. And you have no network and no money. How mm-hmm. is it that you're in control of how everything you and this, stop, that's what this happens? Yeah, how do you stop guns and hard drugs from coming into yeah. Artemis? You've got no money. Yeah. How are you, how are you no, working that out? No muscle. No muscle. Yeah. It's just How are you muscling yeah. everybody out? Why is really? it just your reputation <laughs> that keeps everything going? Okay. I find I'm, that on hard I'm going to throw out just one thing here. Okay. Willing suspension of disbelief. It's what, you know, fantasy and science fiction is kind of about. Mm-hmm. And so... Science fiction in, versus science fantasy. <laughs> what did you say, Chrissy? Say Sorry, it into the mic. Topic. <laughs> no, say it into the mic. We it's, can talk about that today. Science fiction versus science fantasy. It was just a well, side blur. The, the, the thing is, <laughs> you have to be willing to suspend your disbelief oh, yeah. to believe in the world... How far do you extend that suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief? And and so if you're willing to suspend it to say, sure, people can live on the moon, mm-hmm. can you can you suspend it to say, sure, this upstart girl who has no network and has no funds can be the boss of all the contraband coming into Artemis because <laughs> she knows where it all comes from and she's paying attention and she's got friends, obviously, or she wouldn't have been able to pull off she's the heist got one she friend. did. She has more friends. She's got than one her. friend. It's Kelvin and the... Well, I'm sorry, friends. two friends. Kelvin and the bartender, Billy. She's got friends. She, she does have friends. Dale. She's, she's yeah, yeah. kind of friends with, with Rudy now, right? The, the police guy? They have an understanding. Yes. A friendly understanding. He's not going to deport her. He's not going to nab her. He's not going to put her in jail. He's going to let it slide as long as things stay on the up and up, relatively speaking. At the end of the book, he still wanted to deport her. Well, yeah, but yeah, he wasn't going to get to. He's kind of flat in that regard, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I I think so too. I think he's fun, but I think he's a little bit flat in that regard to the relationship with jasmine mm-hmm. i think he's more right. fleshed out with his relationship to everybody Ab- else you're absolutely her. right you're so absolutely why? right uh, well so but, here's my theory on that go ahead i'm sorry but back to that mm-hmm. original point i mean mm-hmm. yes there is a suspension of belief there yeah. hello they're manufacturing 
o- oxygen right. and everything on the moon. They're living right. on the moon. Right. But you can't suspend the belief when it comes to character development and also character um, consistency. And to me, that strikes out as inconsistency hmm. that this one part, because there's another inconsistency. When Rudy comes into the, um, the hospital back room, and is talking to her after everything is unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I was just thinking, <laughs> that, with all the spoilers and everything, I didn't want to spoil yeah. the big, that big part of the ending, yeah. but I guess that doesn't matter. But We already gave the disclaimer. Yeah, we already gave the disclaimer. <laughs> but there's another in, inconsistency. He says, if it weren't for our tight-knit community, and I, and I, wrote that down reviewing today. I wrote that down reviewing today if it weren't for our tight-knit community that Rudy says. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was reading the book, I recalled being a little bit, I found that jarring. Because mm-hmm. if they're so tight-knit, why is she such an outsider? She's been there since yeah. she was six years old. Mm-hmm. She has all these relationships. And I also found it a little jarring that she tries to put on some kind of tourist disguise. Mm-hmm. To go into the uh, the tourist center, the, the visitor center, yeah, the visitor center to set up her robot and everything, yeah. so that she could do the the first heist. Mm-hmm. I found that a little bit inconsistent because I kept thinking, up until then, okay, this is a this has to be a tight knit community. This has to be a small town. Yeah, but, so but, then, but it's people. also a small town. How that is she able to hoodwink on everyone. tourists where you've always got people you don't know yeah. in the area, and it's so it's a different than. The small town he, we are, we're in here, where everybody knows everybody and mm-hmm. keeps their eye on and knows everybody's business, and you don't really want that. But, but in that kind, it it's bigger than it looks because it says, what does it say, two thousand residents? Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have to accommodate all of the tourists. All of the tourists. So there are a lot of people coming in and out of a very small space. It's a tight knit community, in that. We have a limited range of economy. Mm-hmm. We have a limited geography of where people can go and, and who they are, except that, of course, we've got however many levels up and down in mm-hmm. each of those little areas. But and so not it is a tight interacts knit, as much right, because of those It is a tight levels. knit community, but we only see, what, a dozen people mm-hmm. or so, maybe 20 in this whole book that, that even have names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but see, I don't know how much of a tight knit community it really is. And and what you're in your explanation just now it speaks to what I was saying mm-hmm. about how I find it an inconsistency mm-hmm. that they are saying it's a tight knit community. At some point, he's trying to draw us into that idea, mm-hmm. but then he also turns it on its head, and it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find jarring. Okay. Are those instances where they want he wants you to think it's a tight knit community, mm-hmm. and your description mm-hmm. um, says that it should be, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. But it's inconsistent that the characters walk through that um, without thinking it, it, that it is. Hmm. I don't think Jazz fits. I don't think she fits into this world. I think I agree with you. So, so if I were going <laughs> to give it stars, I. I walked in here today to say, eh, if I were going to do one out of five, I'd give it four. Because I enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, from the very beginning, it was jarring to me that I knew 
Andy Weir, mm-hmm. and and yet he chose to have his main character be a young woman of color, brought up in a different religion. She she's she's kind of a smart aleck, Mark Watney in that mm-hmm. way. She's a little boy, but. But there are so many times when the things she says, yes, there are so many times when the things she says are are completely not what mm-hmm. any woman would say. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Even yeah, even a stereotypical curl, cool girl, tomboy, whatever. There, yeah. You know, I'm not like all the other girls. I can totally hang with boys. Oh, okay. Let's. I don't need anybody. I don't need family. I don't need friends. No I can do this one. all on my own. But but she's not really like that. No, she's no, not at the end, really. She wants her wants yeah. her dad, and she wants to, to yeah. resolve things with her dad. She knows she screwed up, and she's she's I don't know. She's older than she ought to be, but <laughs> to, she's to be as immature as she is. Yeah, I was surprised when I found out she was twenty six. She's yeah. thinking like, what? She's not fifteen. What's going but on? Or twelve year old prepubescent boy? I, I wonder yeah. if. If this community that's so limited in scope is part of the reason that she's not any more mature than she is. But I think she's she's making a little bit of stride that way by by wanting to I mean she's not going about it in a reasonable manner, but she's wanting to make things up with her dad. She's wanting to pay him back for the damages of the the whole, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Fire that, with the boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. She's trying, but she doesn't seem to have a whole lot to, to go on as far as how to do that in a mm-hmm. reasonable way. Well, but, no, she's supposed to be some kind of that, genius. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that that's dumb. one of those things that kept coming up in the book. Yeah. She's how so smart. She's so smart. And I'm just like, She learned, when, it, she learned an electrician's manual within a couple of hours yeah. before exactly. she went with Tron to look at the harvesters. Yeah. She's that smart. She's and a yet genius. She, she couldn't figure out that, was it the administrator? Mm-hmm. Maybe she's one of those geniuses oh, that has a short circuit with social it? skills. <laughs> right. Yeah, the administrator is not it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just got called over to a billionaire's house for something shady, because that's usually what I get called over here right. for. There she is, and when everything happens, and she's all like, oh, you're in on it? And I'm like... Really? 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 Or Tron gets <laughs> murdered and his daughter is in shock and she never, it, Jazz never thinks to go to talk to Nguji about this. Yeah. Because it, I mean, to the reader, Nguji's got to be involved in this yeah. because she was there. Then Tron gets, mur- uh, has her Tron talk, visit with Jasmine. Talk to and to the administrator about mm-hmm. buying Sanchez. I was like, why would she even need to know? Why would this even be... Mm-hmm. A part why, of yeah. yeah. Why does she even need to be in there? But yeah, let's not think about that. Let's just let's just move yeah. on. Yeah. And I don't get the relationship with the dad that much, even with the flashbacks and the thoughts mm-hmm. that Jazz mm-hmm. has with um, her life and how it's turned out. I don't understand why she's cut her father off so deeply. He seemed like a pretty decent guy. I thought Strict, he was the decent. one that that cut her off. That kind of distanced himself well, because yeah, of her just her choices Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i thought it's still kind of i'm not well getting all of it especially being in this tight-knit community Mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of what 
Those are air quotes. Nobody saw that air quotes. Tight knit community. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, I think one of the. I agree that she doesn't seem to fit, but I think growing up there in Artemis and her father being very respected mm-hmm. amongst the people, the fact that they're not getting along, I think people were like, let's put a distance between us and her. Yeah. She doesn't fit just because she's who she is. She's just a, a smart, smart Alec. You're going to say Alec. Yeah. It's PG. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, she doesn't, she didn't follow along in her father's footsteps and it was obviously a rift there. And I think people that respected mm-hmm. him and wanted to do business with him weren't going to be extending very much kindness towards her. That's how I took that. Yeah. Um, I also was, you know, jazz in the entire thing. I was just like, seriously. How many sex jokes can you make about yourself to yourself? Right. That was All of the this jarring was part. Internal was. monologue, and yeah. you're making oh so many sex jokes about yourself to yourself. Not yeah. to anybody, just to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm was just like, older young lady. one of the reviews <laughs> I read um, said, we think that Andy Weir made his main character female just so that he could make more jokes about her proclivities. Well, <laughs> just about things related to females mm-hmm. instead of just the jokes that he made with Mark Watney that are guy jokes. Well, and with Mark and Watney, it was. A lot more of he's up there by himself. Yeah, so and he's a lot trying of, to keep his spirits up. And yeah, he's trying to, and to being humorous himself with and, himself yeah. is more of a, you know, a pressure relief. Yeah. yeah, and you can kind of forgive some of the language because if you put yourself in the mindset of someone like that who mm-hmm. is in the situation he's in, you can forgive some of the language. Yeah. But I think it's all, it, it, interesting. There's so much... Uh, risque language in here, mm-hmm. um, the, the sex jokes, and then also just choice of expletives. That in the end, when uh, she has kidnapped Sanchez away from the facility, and she and Dale are trying to drive back to the city to figure mm-hmm. out why nobody's calling them back, mm-hmm. and Sanchez keeps saying, "Watch your language, watch your language." To me, that was just like, okay, Andy, we're oh, it's a little too little, too late. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why weren't you, I mean you're making fun of yourself right here with the language you're using in the book uh-huh. using Sanchez as your proxy so I just like oh I just kind of hung my head okay I have a theory about that it and I'm pro I'm I'm gonna guess that it never entered Andy Weir's mind but here's my theory as a reader this is a pioneer town mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. it's on the edge of the frontier and so the language is not going to be the same expectation as in an established place. I'm making stuff up. But, but they're a tight-knit community. Well, you know, I don't care. So <laughs> irrelevant of the tightness or knittedness of the community, I, it, it just seems to me I'm thinking of this is, this is dumb and a, a really goofy comparison, but I'm thinking of paint your wagon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I got. I got some. Okay. I know what you're talking about. We know what you're talking okay. about. Yes. So, 
this 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 gold mining town on the edge of civilization, not even on the edge, out in the middle of nothing, they make up their own rules. And part of those rules are the cultural mores and what's expected. And so in, in Paint Your Wagon, this is not, see, I told you it was not relevant. But so in Paint Your Wagon, one of the things that they allow is they allow this woman to have two husbands just because she wants to. So I think in in a in a pioneering community like Artemis that the expectation for language for what's socially acceptable within the gr- within the group they wouldn't ever say this kind of language to tourists coming mm-hmm. through but with amongst themselves is is not the same kind of standard that we would have in our in civilization and then add on to that the layer that Jazz is a rebel and wants to be a rebel and so is not going to even follow whatever lax standards there are for the civilization. She's going to go a step farther. So I think that's who she is. So I, it was not enjoyable necessarily, the language that was used, but I don't think it was entirely out of character for the expletives, mm-hmm. the, the jokes about female anatomy and things like that, I thought were ridiculous. I thought that was Andy Weir's excuse for, oh, good, I get to make these kind of jokes now, not just that kind of jokes mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, I agree completely with that. But, but the, just the swear words in her regular language, I thought that kind of explained that. Yeah. I had no problem with the swear words at all. <laughs> that was not the problem. No. <laughs> None. Okay. I think there's validity to your theory on that because at the end, Nguji actually explains the economy and how uh-huh. she views uh, the growth of Artemis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, what and you're saying fits with that. But I still, a, a plethora of swear words in, you can't use different vocabulary. We have to prove that she's a rebel. So let's right. prove it with more this yeah. word, more that well, word. The first line of, of The Martian. Yeah. Mark Watney's says. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a little more, yeah, it's a little more forgivable. Well, it is. <laughs> it <laughs> yes. is. But, okay, so he's on, yeah. Well, I just think it's a trend right. in, in contemporary literature, contemporary movies, television shows to push those boundaries more to sure. make people seem more rebel-tastic because they use all these swear words and they don't know what a dictionary is. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you about that. I really do. I think it it's distracting in a lot yeah, of ways. It, it is for me. I don't know and that it is for a lot of people. No, I don't think me. it is for everybody, but it certainly is for some people and and... It is for me, and I know we have people in our in our book club who, if if there's a swear word on the first in the first chapter, they just put the book down and they won't read the rest because they just don't want to don't want to have to deal with that. And it's kind of hard to find stuff that yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. have anything like new, that. New in stuff, it. interesting, exciting but, stuff. I, I just just putting in my my perspective. <laughs> On that, um, yeah, I mean, appropriateness uh, yeah. or, you know, context is important. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, you know, there's times where people are going to swear a lot. And right. there, there are people that just, as a part of their character, 
swear a lot. And if you have mm-hmm. someone like that in your book, then then you you know that's how you write them, and they swear a lot. But regardless, I did, I've had experiences with books like that where it's like apparently everybody in this family or in this community talks like this every other sentence. And it was a really interesting sounding book, and I was looking forward to reading it. But it, it was just distracting, yeah. You know, and I'm and I'm you know I'm sure it's great for somebody like like Denise who would be completely unfazed by that. But so it's and that's no no slight against the the author if that's the, how the characters talk. Then, mm-hmm. but still, I just I couldn't read it because it was just a distraction. You know, I find that a lot in books that are about. Um, People who are in the military, people who are in law enforcement, um, even like FBI, CIA, those kind of people. I, I find a lot of those books that are, it, it's like this is every third word that comes out of this person's mouth is something that you wouldn't say in front of your grandmother, most people's grandmothers. So it it really does get to be distracting, but what? But it seems like this is the author's tool for saying, "Oh, these are tough people," mm-hmm. and they then and then a lot of times they fail to show you other ways that these mm-hmm. people are tough, mm-hmm. and they just rely on here's the language that makes this person a tough person, and you just have to believe me about that mm-hmm. because. I'm not showing you in any other way. So it can be easily used, resorted to as like a cop out yeah. to actually yeah. write, it, actually failed. write strong characters. Right. I think I've yeah. mentioned that to you before. I, I view that as a failure to describe a person, a failure to round out mm-hmm. um, a description of an individual. If mm-hmm. all you can do to sell their toughness or their resolve to do something is throw in an F word or whatever mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. you want to use then you have failed to generate a solid character. Right. I that's agree. Just a, that's just a personal opinion. And that's why um, my view of m- the majority of the characters in this book, mm-hmm. it, they, they're so flat because mm-hmm. they curse so much to show their resolve for something. Or I'm angry at you, so I'm going to use the S word. I'm, I'm frustrated that this thing won't weld together, so I'm going to use the F word a lot. <laughs> Or uh, so it's a failure to develop characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think he did that in more ways than one. I think he failed a lot with his characters. A lot. He well, used one positive thing. The world building is great. Yes. All right. <laughs> I will give you that. Mm-hmm. So Denise, you're you're being completely un- completely unfazed. By the by, the swear words just in and of themselves, you still understand, like, can see you have the same perspective as far as like of how he failed to develop his character, right? And and I mean, like, do you, um, do I understand what you're where Chrissy's coming? Are you from? kind of in agreement with her on that? He kind of resorted to that too much as a um, I don't know about too much, but okay. I think that he just didn't do a very good job. Yeah. He didn't do a very good job of making her sound like a woman. He didn't do a very good job of making her sound like a woman of color. Mm-mm, I think, or a genius. Yeah, or right. yeah, or deserving of the. You're so intelligent that she kept getting over and over and over throughout the entire book, and it's just like she missed very key moments here that could have probably been very useful. To yeah. her figuring out the plot. <laughs> yeah, really. 
Um, I think there was a lot of, okay, so she was Saudi, Saudi Arabian. She was of Arabic yeah. descent. Um, I had, if I hadn't been told that at the very beginning, Mm-hmm. At the end, when she starts speaking Arabic in the hospital, delusional oh, speaking really? Arabic. Yeah, oh, really. I would have been like, "Does she? Did she wake up from a coma and suddenly know a language?" Well, no. She <laughs> she spoke Arabic to her dad um, the the first time yeah. in the present that she went to him to go and um, try to sweet talk the welding tools yeah. from him yeah. to go and break the harvesters. She was. She started speaking to him respectfully in, in Arabic. Mm-hmm. So, so she grew up knew, knowing Arabic. But yeah, I mm-hmm. find it a hard sell that since she'd gone away from this, since she was a teenager, because we're told, my teenage years, my teenage oh, years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. had a point about that. That she's delusional, in pain, in the hospital, under drugs, and she starts speaking Arabic. Mm-hmm. Hmm? So what? here's something I thought was interesting about that, is most authors in a print book will show you the Arabic and then translate it for you. No, we just got italics Mm -hmm. of an English sentence, and it says, I said in Arabic. See, yeah, I thought, wait, he didn't even bother to find out what that looks like in Arabic Mm -hmm. to put in this book. He just said, blah, 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 I said in Arabic. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to believe she said it in Arabic. I was... was, one of Rudy's that. key pieces of evidence against her mm-hmm. when he first mm-hmm. approaches her about, oh, about in the hospital. having dressed up as the as the yeah wearing a, a niqab yeah uh huh she and she doesn't and she and she she bowed <laughs> and she and she's all, all like well seat. you know I haven't I'm not a practicing Muslim anymore or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just like mm-hmm. you grew up. 16 years raised by only your father. Who is devout. Right. He was definitely portrayed as a devout Muslim. You know what a kneecap is. You so very nicely explained it to us, what it was. Thanks. Um, You used it to commit a crime. Mm -hmm. And yet you're going to sit there and tell me that you don't. Oh, no. Since I'm not a practicing Muslim, I, I don't know that. Andy Weir, you're lazy, and you could have at least read the Wikipedia. Read a Wikipedia article. Yeah. Jesus. I was just like, my gosh. Like, at the end of this book, I'm just like, this was terrible. You used used a woman of color as a prop. Yes. Yeah. I agree completely. She read to me like a little boy at the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time. And I mean, then he started describing her a little bit more physically, and then other people interacting with other people. Yeah. And then I was like, is she really a female here? And even by the middle of the book, I was talking to Denise earlier Mm -hmm. yesterday. I thought she was gay until we get to the Uh. end and she actually kisses Svoboda. I'm thinking, wait, she's not gay too? Because I, that's what I thought. She she's written like a boy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a little, well, yeah, little, little juvenile sex jokes throughout. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and you mentioned that he had to continually remind the reader 
Like this is a woman of Arabic descent. Yeah, yeah. Because it, was, it wasn't clear in the way well, the character well, behaved. No, he had there to be was like nothing in the way he wrote like the character. Just occasionally, was, he throw in. And, and that was something that it that was also distracting for me is that I kept thinking to myself, what made him choose to write this character as this this person when there are yeah maybe. 20 pages out of this entire book that require that. Mm -hmm. And he could have easily changed all those so that he was writing a character that he had some semblance of being able to write in a reasonable manner. I think he could have gotten away with um, a white chick from California. Mm, I don't know about a chick. Yeah. You know, I, no, I don't. Yeah, no. I don't think so. I think that was one of the, the biggest problems with this, just trying to throw book. a bone out there. Come on. Yeah, not working. So <laughs> I listened to, there was an interview on Mashable, a podcast about sci-fi books. And they did one episode where they, they talked to Andy Weir about this new book that had just come out or was just coming out. And they were saying, oh, well, when I was reading this, I was kind of thinking it was a little bit like Ocean's Eleven in space or, you know, whatever. And, and it's kind of an a ensemble piece. And Andy Weir said, no, it's, it's just about jazz. <laughs> and I, and no I thought, way. well, <laughs> yeah, the way you wrote it, it is because she's the only character that you develop in any way, even though she's not very well developed. Mm-hmm. She's the only one that you give any emotions, any kind of change or, or willingness mm-hmm. to, to be this We're person or that person. We're stuck with her from the whatever. beginning yeah. like Velcro, but that doesn't right. mean you know we know That's, a whole but, lot about no, her. No, but she's the only one we know anything about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that all the other characters are flat. But one of the interesting things he did say was, as he goes to into you know writing whatever else is left, because Random House is giving him tons of money... Um, he said, depending on how this book does, I have some ideas about writing other stories set in Artemis. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, that's why you didn't tell us anything about those other characters, because mm-hmm. you're saving them for their own books and their own stories in some other time when you get around and get a million dollars to write that book. And I thought, well, okay, that's why you did that, but... That's well, not funny. a good reason. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, and especially if, depending on how this book does. Right. So, if it doesn't do well, that's that. And so, we have all these flat characters that went nowhere, which mm-hmm. is why your book isn't going to do well. Mm-hmm. See, and again, I, I like the city of Artemis. Mm-hmm. I like the detail of the city itself. For some reason, the Artemis itself sticks out like a character to me. More than mm-hmm. the people do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a, a moment ago, I was laughing because what you said, what he, what that person said to him, it sounds like an ensemble piece. And he said, no, it's only about jazz. That's why I was laughing because that's exactly how I saw it. Mm-hmm. The book is titled Artemis, but it's not about the city. Then you get into jazz, but it's not about her. Then you get into all these characters and none of them are well developed. No, it's, it's a heist book. Mm-hmm. It's in space, on the moon. It's like, space okay, heist. this could have been. It's like Space Jam. <laughs> Ranger, Walker, Texas Ranger, you know, on hey, the moon. I like Walker, Texas Ranger. There you go. This could have been Walker, Texas Ranger doing all of this. And would it have mattered? 
Not much. Mm-mm. Not much. Man, Chuck Norris on the moon. Yeah. I, you know, how, how thick are those holes? I don't think, I don't think yeah. they hold them. He doesn't need a space suit. <laughs> he could have done all of it that Jazz did. Just holding his breath. He could have just looked at the harvesters. And it's and it. They would have died. Oh, and they would have died and blown on. up. And it would have been on. done. So one per, one I million slugs. Some, some <laughs> discussion questions. Like if you were going to talk about this book, like why would you do that? Wait. That's what we're Wait, doing. we're talking about Never it. Never mind. Um, but this one, this one source said, some people, not all by any means, but some believe it, this book was written more as a future film than as a literary work. Are you kidding? I can definitely see this being turned into a movie. I think he wants it to be turned sure. into a movie. I'm Why pretty sure. That's what happened with The Martian. Well, The Martian... Started out as some like online serial yeah, yeah. type thing, and then yeah. it became, you know, and then it was turned into an ebook that sold really right. well, and then it was published. Cents of pop. Yeah, well, I thought it would turned into a movie from an ebook, then no. got published. No, no, no. no. Then okay, it was published as a book, and then it was hugely popular, bestseller, and then it was turned into a movie. Right. The fact that he had that kind of success, even though right off the bat, yeah, with it. even though it really wouldn't have mattered what his second book was, people are, are going to buy it. I'm sure it's already on the bestseller list oh, yeah. because it's just based on how many sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Due to that, there's probably a good chance that this is going to be turned into a movie because The Martian did so well. Well, and it's a, a hardback right off the bat. Right. And that's the most expensive way to publish a book mm-hmm. is a hardback. Right. So, yeah. So, whether or not it was his intent for this to be turned into a movie, it's very likely. Yeah. Because. But the one thing we can hold out for. If, if this becomes a movie, is that some good screenwriter would mm-hmm. get a hold of it and do something maybe with it. Maybe develop jazz a little better. Yeah, maybe. <gasps> maybe, maybe that's why he picked things. her as a character, because he could call her jazz. Uh, just because of the nickname. Maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. Although, it, the other thing about that is I kept thinking of I Am Jazz and, you know, like, who I'm wrote not her very book familiar and, with? Oh well, hmm. that young person. Okay, there's a there's a children's book written do by a, media. I don't a transgender. I think she was 12 when she wrote this book about I am jazz. She was born male and and then identifies as female. And so is uh, this individual um, pretty popular in the mainstream? A lot of people um, know about. Yeah, I think so. There was a there was actually a TV show. Mm-hmm. She had like a TV okay. series. I don't remember what you know what network it was on or anything like that. But it was on a network. It wasn't like a Netflix series or something mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't just online. Um, and two or three books, I think. I'm. I don't know that she's necessarily the hot topic right now. But she would have been when he was writing this book. Well, I think also a hot topic is um, Islam right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, wanting to write characters who are from that faith and that descent Mm -hmm. um, ethnically Mm -hmm. in uh, a different light than what some people have portrayed them as or... um, even if, if they're told they're portraying, it's yeah. one big kettle of fish. I don't want to get right. into, but maybe that had something to do with picking, choosing that character as well. Jazz, mm-hmm. maybe. 
we should dissect Andy Weir psychologically. Oh my goodness, you want to do that? Let me tell you something. About that was him. that was only okay. No, I mean no, I don't want to get into all kinds. That of was things, half earnest. I know, but here's a really interesting thing. Since he has a deep fear of flying, what? He never visited the set of the filming of The Martian, which was in Budapest. What? With, here's here's what this said. This was on lit guides, I think. Here's the way they described him. With some therapy and medication, however, he was able to fly to Houston to visit the Johnson Space Center and to San Diego to attend Comic-Con. He could have taken a train or a bus for Mm -hmm. that. Right, he could (laughs) have, but apparently he didn't. Man, so he has a deep fear of those things, and he's writing about the places that are furthest from Earth. Exactly. So, yeah, his thing about... No wonder he curses so much. (laughs) When they said, we thought this was Ocean's Eleven in space, he says, oh, well, this doesn't take place in space. It takes place on the moon. (laughs) So they're not out in space. They're on space. They're on the moon. On a rocket ship called Earth. But, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 I'm so glad I didn't try to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You could have contributed. Well, no, you have contributed. I have. I'm. I'm just. Con- I'm content to just hear everybody talk about it. Yeah, you make a lot of faces over there wh- while you're laughing. It's the most time I have to spend with it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other interesting things about that that a lot of people commented on with the Martian was. How he, how Andy Weir was very exact with his science. That that he did a lot of research into the mm-hmm. science and made sure that it was all credible and and um, went to a lot of trouble to to explain it all to us during mm-hmm. the book. Which mm-hmm. fortunately they cut a lot of that out of the movie and only gave us some of the science in the movie. But what did you think about the science? That was in <laughs> Artemis. Yeah. I, I found it curious at, uh, that it's possible, but how plausible was it all? I mean, oh, the chloroform. Come on. The chloroform. <laughs> and we never figured out why Sanchez was storing the methane. Yeah. In the why? Th- why? So that you can make chloroform and put everybody and, to sleep. And do, do what with it? Yeah. Yeah. And really, oh, yeah. all those fail-safes that were not in place mm-hmm. that they now know about because <laughs> of the chloroform. There's a whole... I, I do not want to live on the moon if it's going to be built like that. Because <laughs> everybody's going to die. And seriously, I did not need to know all that about welding. Yeah, we don't need to know that much about welding. No. But it's her fault that the chloroform formed because of her welding skills. Her genius... Uh-huh. Welding skills. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's her fault. <laughs> yeah. Because the chloroform would have never formed mm-hmm. had her welding not held and the plant blown up the way it was supposed to. See? Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kept laughing. How can she break? Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I see. How can she break the bad dude's foot while everybody's asleep and he's got a gas mask on? How can she break his foot with her foot? In the gravity of, of the moon. Mm-hmm. 
So here's something that I noticed. <laughs> yeah. not Use the, the pipe you have in your yeah. hand, girl. Not the first time, <laughs> but the second the time I read this, that whenever they're out on the on the surface of the moon, and she has she's I don't know it's when she was rigging the harvesters to blow up or whatever. She there was something that happened, and she said, "Oh, but then everything went up, and then suddenly it went down because, of course, there's no air on the moon." And then she's inside. And, oh, she's dusting, she's trying to find the, the, the code into the safe at Tron's Mm -hmm. place when she's trying to, after he's killed and she's trying to get whatever he had in the, oh, not in the, not Tron's, in Jinji's hotel Hotel. room, that's what it was. Um, And so she, she blows the, the powder at it and everything just stays in the air. And I thought, okay. Are we inside and it's all different? Because outside everything fell because there was mm-hmm. nothing to hold them up. Inside, I don't know, but that anyway, that bothered me. But then yeah. every time she started reading about um, the chemical processes of smelting, she'd be reading along and we'd be getting it, of mm-hmm. course, up to a certain point and she'd say, oh, and this is when my eyes glazed over or blah, blah, blah. And I thought, even you can't deal with all the science Mm -hmm. that you're trying to throw in here. And you're supposed to be a genius. And you're the genius. Well, see, I think that that, uh, goes back to how self-centered and selfish she is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with her end goal of the moment. Right. Uh, She doesn't want to deal with it. Hmm. And that makes her a very stupid genius. Yep. Maybe she's a genius with a poor memory, and she knows she can only store so many things at once, <laughs> and she has to stick with what she has. She's to not have. data. I mean, she data knew the limits and the terabytes <laughs> that he could store in his little positronic network. She doesn't have one of those. She's got a brain. She's got like an eight gigabyte flash drive or something. <laughs> 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 <sighs> Stupid geniuses. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, yeah. Wow, that was a lot. A lot of things that y'all <laughs> covered about. Did we cover well, everything? I mean, we, we, I'm sure we can nitpick some more. Well, uh, Oh, there was one other little thing that I really liked, though, was her Braveheart speech. <laughs> you know, when she when she's rallying the troops at the mm-hmm. end. In the bar. Go, yeah. Well, In where else are you going to Yeah. right? Where else are you going to rally everybody? No one else really had any room anywhere except yeah, for the, exactly. the, the new sixteen-year-old billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, and this O Palacio, uh, uh-huh. the mob group, mm-hmm. this cartel. You're right. gonna you, you believe that they don't have any more enforcers on that station bugging the bar they or something? They only had the one. They only had one enforcer. Why would they need more? Because than they one? were so slap happy with all the money they were laundering yeah. through mm-hmm. the moon that they don't want to send any more than one enforcer. Yeah. Which she took out. Well, it took a while. With a boot step and a pipe. It took a while, right? He w- he had to be maimed by Irina first, mm-hmm. chased after by Rudy. Ch- yeah, okay. She got his arm pretty badly right after that. But oh wait, then it was we're a forgetting while. the security at the uh, the consulate, the China, the Hong Kong consulate, the hotel. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. She called security. Well, on him. but but he didn't do anything. He just chased him away. Yeah, he just told he him didn't go. do anything to him. 
She was all like, "Are that you gonna? Very, are you gonna chase it?" He had a knife. Yeah, we'll just let him go. Yeah. Wanda goes back to their rules because they don't have laws. Right. The only person they're a pioneer pirate code. Yeah. They're yeah. pioneer. The only person guys. that you know, their police force is Rudy. Yeah. And so if Rudy decides that you've Rudy. Yeah. So if Rudy decides that you've done something wrong, well, he's going to beat you up. He's going to beat you up. Make you a mirror image of whoever you maybe deport you if he gets a chance. Well, but but no, even when he has a chance, he doesn't do it. Said something about a trial. If if the guy had he gets deported, he gets deported back to Earth, and depending on what crime he did. Like, yeah, because he killed two different people. From that, two different countries. Yeah, yeah. so the, yeah. Oh, yeah. he gets to so decide really which like country goes back. Too. I like the fact that Rudy said, so if he cooperates, we'll ship him off to Norway. If he doesn't, <laughs> we'll ship him to Russia. Russia. <laughs> yeah, so he gets to decide where he gets tried for murder. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, okay, that's that's pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. They mm-hmm. they had no age of consent. Right. So, depending on what section of the city you're in, well, okay. it was kind of because mob rules, yeah, yeah, it beat was you all up. local rules, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what happened, and isn't that what happened to one of Jazz's her boyfriend, boyfriend? yeah, Sean. He got his butt beat, yeah, yep, because he was an idiot. See, that proves she's an idiot too. She well, was with yeah. him. <laughs> But I'm still hung up on Rudy, not when he goes into the hospital room and he's laying out all these things. Well, what happened here? And who was with you? And da-da-da. And how'd this happen? Oh, no, it was all me, Rudy. Nobody else. Okay, sounds good. See ya. What? I'm just going to try to deport you. Rudy. Yeah. And we don't hear from Rudy anymore. Never. No, we're saving what him kind for of sheriff for his is own he? book. You got to go get a marshal. <laughs> We're saving him for his Marshall own book. Rudy. Yeah, I would have liked to see more of Rudy and probably Dale. Dale seemed interesting. So, yeah, so I was thinking either one of those guys could be played by Billy Burke. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember when we were talking about Twilight and how awful that those movies were, that he was the one really <laughs> great part in there. Billy well, Burke. Gil Birmingham was great too, but but Billy Burke as the dad who just, you know, oh yeah, cleaning my gun. Oh yeah, I'll meet him. <laughs> and and I just thought, okay, he could be either one of these guys, Dale or mm. or I don't know. I think Rudy. No. No? I don't I don't have a high opinion of oh, Billy Burke. I mean I like on. Billy Burke. He's charismatic, but I don't have a high opinion of his acting ability. Oh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> These are not yeah. well developed characters. <laughs> they just stand there. <laughs> Show up in the right places and say their lives. To to be Rudy, he would have yeah. to do a little weightlifting. Well, bleach yeah. blonde his hair. Yeah, he'd have to bleach blonde his hair. Put in in blue contacts or something because this is some kind of Aryan. Oh, yeah, yeah. She described him as a Hitler wet dream. (laughs) (laughs) So, so blonde, blue eyes. I think I purposely forgot about that that part. Blocked that part, right. See, I I have the vision of him wearing this. Uh, the Mountie, the Mountie uniform. uniform, not a Mountie uniform, <laughs> a white uniform, like pristine Ooh, white uniform. Wow, Yeesh. buttoned up collar, but he could still, so and, gotta, and he's beating you up and not getting anything on his yeah. pristine white <laughs> uniform. <laughs> hmm. No blood. I got a laugh out of the 
Yeah. The description when he jumped out the window to go after um, the the mob guy. I hung my head and I go, okay, go Rudy. (laughs) And she's trying to describe him and the guy says, oh, you mean the guy with the the Han Solo pants? Yeah. no, Han Solo had a red stripe and it was dashed. And it was eventually, I thought, you, oh, there's, there's a Star Wars nerd for you. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that made me giggle. Okay. She knew, how, she knew how to get into the safe because she knew about the yeah, Enterprise. Yeah. Um, but, you know what? but she didn't want to explain how she knew that. Nope. Okay. Okay, now I think we're done. Are we done? Are we? So what else do we want to talk about? Uh, well, <laughs> sci-fi-ish stuff. So we have four minutes left to determine a very short and combustible topic. Combu- combustible. Yes, combustible. <laughs> combustible. <laughs> What's the difference between science fiction and science fantasy? Is that combustible? Oh, that's great. Sure. Is it combustible? It can be short and like sweet. incendiary. I guess that's the same thing. I think some people can blow up about it. I think she's saying metaphorically. Yes, (laughs) metaphorically, (laughs) man. Come on. Yeah. So, well, that, yeah. I think this. Science fiction has has science that that you actually hear about. And science fantasy says. Or or future theory. No, I'm not telling you. So I would say Artemis falls into the realm of science fiction. Yes. So what would fall into the realm, in y'all's opinion, of science fantasy? Anything Star Wars. Exactly yeah. my point, yeah. too. So that, so to me, that's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing. Star when Wars. you look at those people that are, that are either Star Wars or Star Trek people, that's the difference. Yeah, I like Star Wh- Trek. I'm kinda which kind of makes me sad because I always thought of myself as a science fiction person, mm-hmm. but apparently I'm a science fantasy person. With a little, a little crossing the line here and there, instead mm-hmm. of a science fiction person with sort of a okay, there's fantasy, okay too. Well, maybe I'm more in the know. middle because I like the world of Star Wars. Uh-huh. They seem more realistic. There's conflict. There's people. Yeah, they absolutely. get dirty. Absolutely. You know, and and they make bad decisions, but then they try to figure it out and yeah. and make it better. Yeah. And then you get Star Trek, where everybody has drunk the Kool Aid. But there's so much detail with the science, mm-hmm. um, and even even if they take liberties with it to make it kind of fantastical, but it's still I, it? I like the the, the bookishness of yeah, Star Trek. I think the newer the iterations have gone even even more toward the hard sci-fi mm-hmm. direction than the early ones did. The early ones, I think, yeah. tried. Uh, you know, they just the fact that they were talking about. This futuristic, we're in space, we're going around and going to all these... For them, that was the hard science. Going to other planets and mm-hmm. interacting with other sentient beings and that kind of thing. But but I think the newer iterations have done a lot more with the science. Well, and I find that m- contemporary science fiction... You, it, 20 years ago, you would find a book. Yes, they would talk about spiritual things or religion. Mm-hmm. But in, and sometimes it poo-poo it um, yeah. a bit. Yeah. But uh, they they allowed it, mm-hmm. and they weren't derided. The people who uh, were religious weren't derided for it. Mm-hmm. But now, contemporary science fiction, it's like they blow up humanity. There is no more. To me, 
being spiritual, having that element in your person is part of your humanity. So to say that that doesn't really exist and that everything is science mm-hmm. and comes from science mm-hmm. blows that up. I think we've and I always find that, had that uh, Science fiction does that, and I find it... Um, uh, what's the word? Not, not I hate to use the word offensive. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, that's such an overused word. But I find it they're trying to stab me in the face. Well, <laughs> well using that a offense. Yeah, I, I, I think it sets up a false dichotomy. So maybe one of the things that we want to talk about at some point in the future <laughs> is science and religion and how those two do or don't intersect and you know that kind of thing. There's a whole bunch to say about that, but. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there opinions. have always been the hard science people who were very much spiritual, has nothing to do with the real world and with the, the world of the future, certainly. And, and, and then those people who still had that element. So I want to ask you what you think about Avatar and where it falls on the science fiction, science fantasy spectrum. Because I do think it's a spectrum. I don't yeah. think there's a hard line. Oh, no. Right. I, I, if you had to do, if you had to put science fiction on one end um, of a line and science fantasy on the other end, I would say Avatar is probably kind of in the middle, going closer to the fantasy mm-hmm. because okay, he, it, it focuses, it mm-hmm. uses the science fiction to push mm-hmm. the science fantasy, right? Which is the right. world, the creatures, mm-hmm. and the spirituality of the creatures mm-hmm. as they're tied to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, 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 even their spirituality isn't really spiritual. It's a pseudo spirituality because it's completely tied into the nature. And well, I don't think that's pseudo spirituality. Yeah. I think that's just a nature spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's you know, it's it's there's no cosmic being yeah, outside. There's no it. ether. There's no other. There, right. yeah, there's no outside. Right. Everything is tied into um, this universe, this space, this planet. Right. right. But I. But it, that's why I call it to me. I'm, I'm wondering. I, I. It has been a long time since I saw that. But I'm thinking about the way that. Um, so how does that work? The creatures are tied in to the like the animals that they ride are tied into the sentient beings. The it's a physical connection. Sort of, yeah. They tie themselves into yeah. the planet. And um, so to me, that's, plants, that's in the a animals. bit of a science thing, that symbiosis sort of mm-hmm. physical connection. But it's like the plant, planet. It comes animal. from this whole spiritual thing. So I don't know. It's all a crapshoot. <laughs> well, see, I don't, th- I don't see it as it, it's coming from, it's coming from a spiritual thing. It's made to be spiritual, but it's a physical thing. Right. Those things can go together. So I mean, we're probably are, more are, or less discussing semantics at this point. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, I think there that's are a, a there are nature based religions mm-hmm. and always have been. So I don't I, see that as other than spiritual. Wait, I think that yeah, I think that you can draw a line there between the the word spiritual and supernatural. Like you can have a you know a sense of spirituality, um, a, you know, apart from believing in i guess the supernatural mm-hmm. like you can have mm-hmm. a, you, you know if you want to talk about it in those terms you can have a spiritual connection to a physical i guess well there's there's know. a there's certainly a you know there are religions where all of the spiritual is resides inside the individual and it 
the the spiritual practices bring those bring that person into alignment into understanding into awareness of their potential of who they are mm-hmm. of what's inside them that's spiritual but it doesn't rely on anything else outside that individual that's still spiritual i didn't watch but enough yeah. of avatar to really to weigh in on avatar in that respect but i'd say like walk well, you know a good blending of those things would actually be Star Wars because the force, you know, the force is actually, you know, you can, you can, in a sense, you can reach out and, and touch the force and, Mm -hmm. and interact with it. And you, you know, they know it's there, but at the same time, it's, it's a physical it's, element. It's, so, it's, uh, it's other. It's other at the same time that it's in, entwined with everything, and so. So are you going to throw out the midi chlorian thing? Oh gosh, and, I don't. I don't really want to get. I into just threw that. it out without saying the word. I really, <laughs> you did. You did. I really would, would like to just forget that they talked about that. They did that. that okay. Uh huh. <laughs> so I don't yeah, hate that. I don't hate feminists, but I didn't. I didn't I like that. That's that's a big point right there. People are so torn on that one thing mm-hmm. because of the midichlorians because it made it a physical thing. Right. When people wanted it to be a supernatural thing, right. so that's why I have um, a difficulty with thinking that someone can be spiritual. You can be emotional. But can you be spiritual outside of a supernatural, outside of a connection with a supernatural? Let's explore that another time because well, I yeah, think that's that a, that's opens a up further topic. Huge, huge doors. Yeah, yeah. Great discussion today. <laughs> wow. Was it combustible? Okay. Combustible. I didn't. I, I didn't throw in. So no. <laughs> I didn't get to weigh in on science fiction, science fantasy. But oh, that's okay. You didn't? It's not important. Not really. Go ahead. We'll jump in. Oh, I mean, I agreed with everyone on this. The fact <laughs> that <laughs> I agree with everyone. Star Wars is science fantasy, but I I don't know. I'm I feel like really like real science fiction, like hard science fiction, has got to be like like really hard science fiction. Like <laughs> this is like. We're not. We're not trying I mean, to tell. I need fifteen pages of you describing the science. Well, to me it's before. like it, it's like <laughs> it, it's like the science, you know, and the potential future of the science or whatever is more important than the characters, than the plot, than whatever. Mm. It's like it's all about what we're, the story we're telling through the science of it, and I feel like everything that you want the science to be a character in and of itself. Yeah. Well, I, the thing is, I'm, I don't uh. think that I would read a book like that. I'm just like. <laughs> read a book like yeah i I, but i think that there's a lot of science lots of fiction not just what we call science fiction Mm -hmm. i think i think fantasy and science fantasy and other things that fall into that what those kind of genres that we put them into um there is science it's just not based on things that we are familiar with because like in fantasy a lot of times you know when they have these really elaborate uh built up magic systems mm-hmm. it's it's a science mm-hmm. it's a science it's a science that exists in that oh, world oh now we're getting interesting See, he, <laughs> so, he's so the fantasy. definition of science <laughs> so fiction science i think is that you take the science you know and you go beyond where we can necessarily foresee it going in the nick in the foreseeable future you take it those few steps beyond or however many but steps But it can beyond. still be 
logical and theoretical. Well, absolutely, right. absolutely. As, a, as but consistency, as laws. As opposed to fantasy, which takes which takes the world that we know. A, a, a fantasy that includes an other world or a secondary world has to be based somehow in the world we know, or else we won't recognize it. Mm-hmm. There has to be something that, that we understand. But to take that and go beyond doesn't necessarily have anything to do with science. It just has to... Alchemy. Well, Alchemy versus chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I think it, it really is a spectrum. It, it isn't uh, this is this or this mm-hmm. is that. It, it falls somewhere on that line. So I think this is something we should talk about again. Okay. This is great. Come prepared for battle. <laughs> no, I don't. I uh, know. There's no battle about no, this. No, I don't. It's just fun to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So you've been listening to the Long Overdue Podcast from Decatur Public Library. Join us again. Bye. 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 Bye.